السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وأصلي وأسلم على من بعث رحمة للعالمين أما بعد Last week we covered the topic of riba and why riba is haram and why it is considered a major sin and uh, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in a hadith um, he states that Allahu that may the curse of Allah be upon Akil riba the one who consumes usury Wamukilahu and the one who pays it Wakatibahu and the one who records it Washahidehi and its two witnesses they are all equal in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because riba is injustice and they are all taking part in that injustice. And also, although the details of riba are many, and we cannot go into specifics, we said last week that the literal meaning of riba is excess, increase, growth, right? And Rasulullah states in a hadith that gold for gold, silver for silver, wheat for wheat, uh, barley for barley, date for date, and salt for salt, that when one is trading, it has to be equal amounts, same amounts, and the transfer or the trading should be done um, at the time of um, the contract. Right? It should not be delayed. It, right? The handing over or the taking ownership should be done at the time of contracting and not delayed. And so, in essence, there are two types of riba. One is riba that is related to a debt, to a loan, right? That you um, increase, the, the person who is lending <coughs> increases the expected amount due to what? Um, time, right? So passing of, uh, let's say for example, if you pay in one month, this is how much you pay extra. If you pay in a year's time, you increase that. If you pay in two years time, so on and so forth. Okay. So one riba is related to the loan and expecting excess or growth simply because time is passing. And we said what that last week that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when he speaks of riba in the Quran, he speaks of sadaqah. Why? Because the relationship between humans should be one, or especially between believers, should be one of what? Of what? Of justice. Huh? Justice. justice, yes. But more importantly? Benefit? No. no. What's the Kindness and supporting and helping one another. Yes. And not exploiting the need of others. Right? So Allah Azza wa says that um, in the case of uh, giving a loan, if a person is not able to repay that loan, instead of increasing it many folds, and exploiting their need, you are expected to do what? Give them time. 
And if you can waive the loan altogether, then you will be rewarded for that. Okay. So one type of riba is related to loan. And it's very clear from the hadith of Rasulullah it is all a sin, whether you give riba or you take riba. The one who consumes it and the one who gives it. Right? Even if there is necessity, if you are giving riba, um, unless you have uh, a necessity for which you have received uh, sort of, you are exempt from the ruling, and you can only know that through a alim that assesses your uh, specific situation, then the Rasulullah says the curse of Allah is on that person. If the curse of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is on that person, then that person will have no barakah, especially in their livelihood and in their rizq. Okay? The other is a riba relating to trade. That when you trade things, certain things have to be traded equally and they have to be taken into ownership at the time of contracting. I'll give you an example. Um, certain types of gold have a greater value than others, right? So a gold that is older will have more value, okay? But you cannot exchange gold for gold unless it is like for like, regardless of the quality, regardless of the market value of one and the other, right? A simpler example, Rasulullah mentioned dates or wheat. You have different qualities of dates, right? You have the uh, produce of this year and you have the produce of 10 years ago, which we get here in Ramadan. <laughs> and there's uh, dates from Medina. They just don't tell you that <laughs> it, it was in Medina five years ago and it's been in a freezer <laughs> for the last five years. But the point is that there is different qualities. Yeah, you've got number one, you know, premium quality and then lower qualities. But because it is as the same item, right? Jeans, uh, you have, when you are trading, you are not allowed to look at the, the value or the, the uh, current value, but rather Islam says what? That if you are, if you are trading and exchanging something uh, that is uh, the same in, uh, it has to be, like for like. Is there a reason for Yeah. There is, obviously. <laughs> there is a reason for every... Uh, the, the, the reason riba is haram is that you are exploiting. So you have a higher quality and the other person has a lower quality. That is exploitation. Right? You are... Um, you do not have a reason for benefiting if you are exchanging the same thing. Yeah. It hasn't made sense. Okay. Yeah. Ask Allah to <laughs> inshallah grant you more understanding. But but in essence, if we go away with this understanding, the one that is more common and the one that we can relate to is what uh, the riba that is connected to loans okay and rasulullah curses what and we said that something becomes a major sin when there is what punishment. warning of punishment curse of allah, curse of allah or his messenger or if there is a capital punishment for it in this world sorry uh, is that can, uh, if a loan is fixed example you pay car or you pay uh, you pay house pay car for work example you take fifteen thousand or twenty thousand 
in three years or five years, you give him example, I buy a car with 20,000, the bank will give me 20,000, even in five years, they give it 25, <coughs> fixed, down, up, down, down. Mm. Even if it is fixed, doesn't matter. Fixed, same, yes. yeah. You are paying more than you're taking. Because we can, example, for what? You pay car for working. Mm. Yeah? You pay car with 15, the bank will give me 15,000. I give him 17 or 18,000 in three years. Not permissible. No. Mm. Uh, so some people is when you fix the... No, no, no. So, so the, the, the brother is saying mm -hmm. that if the interest rate is fixed, right, or whatever you are going to pay, pay extra is fixed, then it is permissible. It's only impermissible when it is unknown. Uh, and that is not true. Any excess on the amount that you have taken as a loan that you have to pay, uh, other than other than what they call, um, what are these? Uh, transaction charges. Okay, transaction charges have been sort of qualified as permissible uh, because there is somebody who's dealing with whatever your loan and what have you. But those are small amounts, you know, 25 pounds, 50 pounds, whatever the charge is, that is permissible to pay. Anything other than that, any excess is not permissible, whether it is fixed or not fixed. Islamic, Islamic bank, you do like this, example, pay house, I don't want to get into that because. <laughs> Just some yeah. to make sure. Yeah. No. Islamic bank, we pay house not not all no not all Islamic banks they all have different models and you have to look at each model and how it operates and who are the scholars that have permitted permitted it. Um, he you pay the he pay he pay house. I love I like this house. The the the, the, the bank he paid, example in twenty thousand. He gives the house for me with thirty thousand in ten years, mm. fixed. That's mm. what the Islamic monkey do. Allahu alam. That's what they hear. I'm not here to give a fatwa. Right? And that is why you can only determine whether something is halal or haram if you look at the actual contract. If you do not have a contract, you do not know. Right? So people generally come and say, oh, Imam, can you take this mortgage, that mortgage, Islamic mortgage, what have you. You do not know unless you look at the specific contract. If the specific contract is not before you, then you cannot make a judgment on the transaction, whether it is halal, permissible, permissible or not. No, no. But we'll talk about it later if you want. Okay. The last thing was um, what we addressed is that we said that riba is haram. Obviously, it is a major sin, um, and there are multiple warnings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in, in the Quran. And right at the end, last week we mentioned that um, there was certain statements of uh, ulama uh, and even the Sahaba radiallahu anhu, for example, Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu anhu, that if you, have, um, if you have taken a loan from someone, then that person, or if you have given a loan to someone, then there should be no gifts given some have gone to the extent of saying you can't even eat with that person, right? Um, and and uh, someone, who, a person who was listening to the talk, raised the question and sort of said, well, there's a difference of opinion about this. And when we said it, we did not say it to, to, um, to establish a ruling, but rather to show the warning and how particular Sahaba and the Salihin were in relation to excess when it came to dealing with uh, uh, financial dealings with one another, right? Um, so, uh, in general, although there is a difference of opinion, uh, in general, 
the person who's gifting and the person who's receiving a gift, it all depends on their intention, right? So if I, let's say for example, if I uh, take a loan from my brother, right? My brother lends me 5,000 pounds. Now this is my brother, I'm accustomed to go to his house and eat food and Eid, he will give me a present and maybe whatever. Then it, th there is no question on this, right? Because you are dealing with each other as you were dealing before the loan. The problem is when it is done specifically because there is this um, financial transaction between the two of you and the only one aware of this is what? The person who's taken the loan, the person who's giving the loan, Allah is aware of their intentions. Nobody else will know. And so um, what we take from this is you have to be careful that when you are, you are a lender, or a person who has taken a loan or a person who has given a loan, you need to be careful about any excess. Okay, you may be overlooking something that will be considered as, as riba. And for that reason, a person should always ask ulama, Allah ta'ala a'lam. Kabira number 13, consuming the wealth of the orphan and doing him or her injustice. And so uh, in Salatul Isha, we recited the uh, beginning verses of Surah An-Nisa, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala goes into some detail about this uh, subject matter, uh, how Allah commands to maintain and look after the interest of the orphan. And in Sharia, in Sharia, um, the, the, the definition of an orphan is the child, meaning that this person has not reached the age of puberty, male or female, who has lost the father. Okay, this is important. It's different from linguistically, uh, a person who loses a uh, mother is also considered an orphan, you know, in, in culture or custom or uh, linguistically. But in Sharia, it is only the one who, uh, the child who loses his father. Why? Because the primary uh, responsibility of the father is protection and providing and so this child does not have a protector and does not have one to provide for him and this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is warning about and encouraging so Islam encourages the maintenance and the looking after orphans widows also for that matter and there are many hadith of Rasulullah that we'll see one of them here um, and it warns against what? Doing injustice to the orphan, right? The same basis and the same principle as uh, riba, that you are exploiting. But here you're not exploiting somebody who is uh, capable of taking care of themselves, but rather somebody who has no protector and no, no provider. And so this, this is a bigger injustice, right? So injustice is haram and there are different levels of it. And one of the worst kinds is um, consuming the wealth of the orphan. And generally, this does not happen, uh, this is not done by a stranger. This is done by what? Those who are closest to the orphan. Family members, right? Uncles, aunties, cousins, and so on and so forth. And then it becomes even greater haram and a greater sin because you are committing a major sin number one you are consuming the wealth of the orphan and doing him injustice and then on top of that you are 
failing in your responsibility as the um, arham right that you have a duty uh, due to your blood relation uh, with this orphan so this is a grave sin uh, regarding which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in surah an-nisa he says inna alladhina ya'kuluna amwala al-yatama dhulman verily those who consume the wealth of the orphans unjustly right so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not generalize this is specific if you consume the wealth of the orphan unjustly innama ya'kuluna fi butunihim nara they are only consuming fire in their bellies and their abode or their final destin destination will be a blazing fire Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also says وَلَا تَقْرَبُوا مَالَ الْيَتِيمِ إِلَّا بِالَّتِي هِيَ أَحْسَنُ حَتَّى يَبْلُغَ أَشُدَّهِ Do not deal with the wealth of the orphan except in the best manner until he reaches the age of uh, puberty uh, and Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu states that Rasulullah s.a.w. said um, that يَبْعَثُ اللَّهُ عَزَّ وَجَلَّ قَوْمًا مِنْ قُبُورِهِمْ A group of people will be resurrected by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the day of Qiyamah تَخْرُجُ النَّارُ مِنْ بُطُونِهِمْ Fire will be coming out from their, their bellies. So Rasulullah s.a.w. was asked who are these people? So he stated um, haven't you heard that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes this in the Quran by, by saying Verily, those who consume the wealth of the orphan unjustly, they are consuming fire, and their abode will be a blazing fire. And Imam, uh, one of the ulama, rahmatullah alayhi, states that the person who consumes the wealth from this verse, in explaining this verse, the one who consumes the wealth of the orphan unjustly will be resurrected on the day of Qiyamah with flames of fire coming out of their uh, mouth, their ears, their nose and their eyes. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us. And this is in order to, to dishonor him, right? To dishonor him for this uh, sin. Just like we saw that the people who consume riba, what was the punishment on the day of Qiyamah? They will be resurrected with uh, big bellies for having consumed the wealth of others. Uh, unjustly. However, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala states those who consume the wealth of the orphan unjustly, which means that there is permission to consume it and uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows for that if there is a need. And ulama state that the person who is maintaining, who is looking after the orphan, if that person is poor, then they are permitted to consume from the wealth of the orphan. And generally the wealth of the orphan is what? Inheritance, right? They are permitted to consume. Why? Because they are rendering a service. So Allah says in the Quran, وَمَنْ كَانَ غَنِيًّا فَلْيَسْتَعْفِفِ This was in Surah Al-Isha. The person who, who is capable of fulfilling his needs without touching the wealth of the orphan, then again, he should not do it as a service in order to gain benefit from it, but rather 
should do it out of goodness, right? Because uh, he is expecting reward with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَمَنْ كَانَ فَقِيرًا فَلْيَأْكُلْ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ And Allah has permitted the one who is looking after the orphan to take from the wealth of the orphan بِالْمَعْرُوفِ uh, According to need and in uh, a way that is acceptable and that is not unjust. And there are different interpretations of this. Uh, the first one uh, is that uh, if a person is looking after the orphan and he hasn't the means, then he can take from the wealth of the orphan, but he will consider this to be a loan that he has to repay back. This is one example or one possibility. The other is that he is permitted to consume the wealth of the orphan only for the uh, basic needs, right? And basic needs are what? Clothing, food, uh, shelter, and um, a vehicle or something to um, transport. The third possibility or interpretation is that a person is allowed to take from the wealth of the orphan and as, as if he is employed or rent, uh, working for the orphan, okay? So uh, since he, is, he or she is looking after the orphan, they can take uh, wages, if you like, uh, from their um, inheritance or their wealth. Yes. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. So, if you are, let's say, for example, because Rasulullah says in a hadith that anybody who is responsible for the wealth of the orphan or the inheritance uh, should not let it sit and be reduced by zakah because every year you will have to pay zakat on it, zakat on it, and it will continue to reduce. So, uh, Rasulullah encourages that that uh, wealth should be invested in a way that the orphan will benefit and the person who's doing the investing can also take a share of the profit. Yeah. Uh, the fourth possibility is that um, to take in, in need with the intention to pay it back but if one is not able to pay it back then there is no responsibility. Who is to judge? Who will make the judgment? I'm looking after an orphan. That orphan is my nephew or my niece. They have no idea what is going on. And they, they have an inheritance of, you know, uh, a million pound. Who is to determine what is acceptable, what is not acceptable? Do I do it myself? Two witnesses. There has to be witnesses to whatever. You cannot take of your own accord, right? There has to be witnesses. And those people will tell you whether what, so you explain your financial situation to them and they will make a judgment on whether, and they have to be what Muslim and obviously they have to be aware of Sharia and what is considered as basic needs in Sharia. Okay. And they will judge whether what you are consuming and what you are taking and the arrangement that you are making is what reasonable or not. Okay. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala hints to this because he says, Look after the orphans, maintain the orphans until they reach the age of marriage. 
Okay. The time of marriage. When they reach this age, if you think that they are capable of looking after their own interests, then hand over their wealth to them. That make sure there are witnesses when you are handing over the wealth to the uh, to the yatim who is no longer an orphan by the way because once he passes the age of puberty that he or she is no longer considered an orphan but when you are doing the handover you have to have witnesses and witnesses should be informed of how much how much what they have to be informed and things have to be explained how much there was how much wealth there was uh, initially right in inheritance or uh, that belonged to the orphan, how much of it was it was spent in zakah, how much of it was spent looking after and maintaining the, the orphan, and um, what is left, right? Uh, and, and that has to be done with witnesses present. Then Imam Dhabi rahmatullah mentions or uh, brings a hadith of Imam Bukhari rahmatullah that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi said, That I and the one who looks after the orphan will be in paradise like so. And he points out with his two fingers that one will be close to Rasulullah sallallahu if they uh, fulfill this duty to the best of their of their ability and there are many uh, different benefits uh, one of them uh, looking after the orphan and it is relatively easy in this day and age you have uh, institutions that look after uh, the orphans and, and uh, all that is expected of you is to do what uh, to give financial aid right um, whether that is to uh, look after their basic needs or whether to pay for their education so on and so forth so one is that a person who looks after the yatim will be in paradise with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Even your brother. Your yes, sister. yeah, yeah. Even if it is your brother or your sister, absolutely. Actually, even more so if it is your brother, like younger siblings, and you look after them. Um, and actually, the, the, the hadith after, um, and we'll mention it, كَافِلُ الْيَتِيمِ لَهُ وَلِغَيْرِهِ so Rasulullah in this other narration he says the one who looks after the orphan whether that orphan is related to him or not he, the, the orphan can like the brother said can be your your niece your nephew your brother your sister right uh, can be an orphan and you are looking after them because they are related to you a cousin or a stranger completely somebody you are not um, related to um, the reward is is the same so this is one in another hadith Rasulullah says that the, the person who wipes over the head of an orphan it is a very small what very small gesture uh, from yourself you know wiping over the head of an orphan what does it take um, Rasulullah says that a person will be rewarded for every hair uh, that is touched by uh, the, the, the person's hand. 
Another one, uh, hadith, a person came complaining to Rasulullah of uh, hardness of his heart. Uh, ya Rasulullah, I find that, you know, my heart I, is very hard, meaning that when I hear Quran and think of death and all of this, I don't feel any, so my heart does not soften, very harsh and hard. So Rasulullah said to him, look after uh, an orphan and Allah will place mercy in your heart. Uh, so, uh, looking after the orphan entails a number of things. Number one is looking after them physically, their food, uh, clothing, shelter. This is one. Second is to educate them, to educate the orphan, whether that is formal education or whether that is uh, moral education, right? Teaching them uh, uh, moral values. So, this is the second responsibility. The third is to look after their wealth or whatever is in their belonging. And we, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Kahf mentions that uh, Musa alayhi salam with Al-Khidr, uh, the third, um, the, the third uh, uh, question that Musa alayhi salam uh, asked was in relation to the wall. Right? Khidr and Musa alayhi salam were traveling and you know they came across a town, they asked to be um, their guests and to be fed uh, and the people of that town refused and as they're passing through that town uh, Khidr alayhi salam uh, sees a, a wall that is falling so he does what? Uh, he uh, rebuilds it right and strengthens it so Musa alayhi salam said look you are doing them a service and yet they are not willing to accept us as, as guests or give us any food you should have taken uh, something in return for your work and your service. So he said, That wall that you are questioning about, it belonged to uh, two orphan uh, children in, in, in that town or in that city. And under it was a treasure, meaning inheritance that was left. And their uh, father, or Mufassirin said their forefather, was somebody righteous. So your Lord intended or wanted for them to reach the age of puberty and that their wealth remains safe until then because if the wall had fallen, then people will uh, come across it. And, you know, from the fact that they did not, uh, you know, uh, invite Musa السلام, and Khidr السلام, as guests, it shows that they did not, they were not very good people. Rahmatan min Rabbik. That this was a mercy from, from your Lord. Um, right, so we said that uh, when Rasulullah or the Quran uh, talks about maintaining the orphan or looking after the orphan, it has uh, different aspects. One of them is um, to look after their physical needs clothing, food, and shelter uh, to educate them, whether that is uh, education, uh, worldly education, or dini education, or education in moral values. Uh, and thirdly, to look after uh, their wealth. In another hadith, Rasulullah said, مَنْ ضَمَّ يَتِيمًا مِنَ الْمُسْلِمِينَ إِلَىٰ طَعَامِهِ وَشَرَابِهِ That the one who joins um, a an orphan from the Muslims to his food and clothing and, and drink, 
until that orphan becomes independent uh, through uh, the will of Allah Azzawajal Paradise will become uh, compulsory for that person Except if that person commits a sin that is not forgiven For example, shirk So th this hadith is more specific than the previous one Because here this person is taking the orphan into his home Right? Because sharing food and drink is what is taking the orphan into your, your home and uh, the orphan living with you. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um, mentions this in the Quran. يَسْأَلُونَكَ عَنِ الْيَتَامَ That Sahaba radiallahu anhu said, Ya Rasulullah, you know, we take care of the orphan. Now, um, we are not uh, financially uh, in a position to uh, feed them. Um, so for that reason, we bring them into our home. We are spending from their wealth, but we are all eating in one. Uh, you know, it's difficult to sort of you know cook separate food for the orphan from his wealth, and then you know make your own meal for the family, and so on and so forth. Yes, So Allah mentions it in Surah Al-Baqarah. And this happened, and there is a lot of um, these verses were revealed, especially after the battle of Uhud. Badr also, but uh, Uhud was more important because there were a number of Sahaba, uh, 70 odd Sahaba who were um, martyred, right? So uh, it was a, a new sort of phenomenon in, in Medina in the sense that now there will be widows and, and orphans. And Rasulullah um, led by example, one of the, the Sahaba. Um, who was a child at the time? He was uh, when 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 the the Rasulullah and Sahaba were returning from Uhud. This child was looking for his father, and his father had been martyred. I forget the name. But as Rasulullah was uh, when he when he saw the child, and he saw that the child was looking for his father, Rasulullah asked him. He said, "Ya Rasulullah, I'm looking for my father." So Rasulullah responded, "Would you like?" Uh, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa to be your father and Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha to be your mother. Um, so yeah. Mm -hmm. Two questions. One, you know, you're talking about looking after orphans, but orphans and widows go hand in hand. So the best sort of support would be that the orphan stays with his mother or her mother and then you support mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. right, that's one thing. And the other is also regarding their property to handing it back to them. if. I believe if the if the person uh, uh, lacks mental capacity to look after it, then you are supposed to continue to look after it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, so looking after the orphan at times is looking after his interest, even though he is uh, living with his um, with his mother, who is a widow. Uh, but in general, um, the mother will not be able to take care of all the responsibilities of that child, right? And <coughs> this is where. Uh, family members or well-wishers will step in and look after some aspects uh, of, of the child. And actually, having said that, the reward of looking after the orphan is also given to the mother. Right? And there is a specific hadith about the woman who uh, does not marry after uh, her husband dies in order to look after uh, her orphan children, child or children. 
that uh, this woman has a high degree in paradise. Um, something along the lines that Rasulullah said um, that I will be the first one to enter uh, paradise except that there will be uh, a, a woman very close to me and that is the woman who, or this is a category of women who sacrificed their own need of companionship for the sake of um, looking after their um, orphan children. Um, but even if the mother is is alive, it does not automatically entail that the child cannot be, you know, the the, the looking after uh, or the responsibility of the child cannot be transferred to to somebody else, and that child being with somebody else. Uh, and the second question was, um, and actually Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, um, that you only hand over the wealth of the orphan to him when he reaches the age of adulthood if he has the mental ability of looking after his own interests right if he is not capable of looking after his own interests then you will continue until such time comes right you will continue so as an example um, generally the age of puberty is uh, about 15 in sharia now, at the age of 15, um, in our day and age, um, children, <laughs> we can still call them children, teenagers are not ab capable of looking after yeah. their, their own interests. So you will continue until they reach an age where you feel that they have anastum minhum rushdahum, anastum rushdahum, meaning they have the intelligence and the mental cap uh, capacity to know what is good for them and what is bad for them and they will not squander the wealth right that is when you will hand over um, their wealth to them another uh, narration that abu darda radiallahu anhu was asked by um, by a person he said can you um, advise me so abu darda radiallahu anhu said irham yatim have mercy on the orphan and although we said that um, certain verses specifically were revealed after the battle of, of Uhud, um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala enjoined looking after uh, and caring for the orphan uh, in Mecca in the early stages of uh, revelation in Surah Al-Duha, right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that do not treat um, the orphan in an ill manner and also he says uh, have you seen the one who disbelieves in the day of judgment the one who pushes away or harms uh, the orphan so there is revelation uh, about it even before the coming of Rasulullah to Medina. Anyway, so Abu Darda in giving advice, he said, have mercy on the orphan, wadnuhu mink, and bring him close to you. Wa'at'imhu min ta'amik, and feed him from your food. Fa'inni sami'atu Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, I have heard uh, a man who came complaining to Rasulullah sallallahu of the hardness of his heart. So Rasulullah stated, if you want your heart to soften, fadnu al-yatima mink, Bring the orphan close to you. And wipe over his head. And feed him from your food. 
for that will soften your heart um, and then Imam Dhabi mentions uh, the story of one of the uh, righteous salihin uh, uh, from the past uh, from the Salaf he says that uh, this person says that I was um, involved in uh, many sins before coming to guidance right? what we call uh, in the time of Jahiliyyah <laughs> people say in my time of Jahiliyyah and that, and that is not uh, personally I do not think that is uh, appropriate the time of Jahiliyyah was before revelation right when we sin we are aware of what we are doing right it can only be called Jahiliyyah if a person does not know okay if the person is you know they're Muslim but they're ignorant of what is halal, what is haram, what is obligation, what is... Uh, then you can say this is jahiliya. Mm. Anyway, uh, so this person says that in, in I, I was um, sinning a great deal and some of the sins he mentions is drinking of, of al- uh, alcohol. But he says one day I came across a, uh, an orphan child. So I took him with me and I took care of him, I fed him, clothed him, uh, bathed him, um, and I was kind to him, like a person would be, would show kindness to his or her own child. And he says, that night, uh, in my sleep, I saw that, in, in a dream, I saw that Qiyamah had uh, come, and that I was called for uh, rendering accounts, you know, for my accounting and judgment before Allah and uh, an order was given for me to be taken to hellfire and I was pulled away by the Zabaniya the angels in charge of hellfire and suddenly as I am being dragged to hellfire by the angels um, this orphan appeared he appeared and he blocked the way and, and he said that leave him, allow him to go, so that I can intercede in his favor before my Lord for his kindness to me. So the, the angels responded to the orphan, they said in, in the dream that uh, we have not command, been commanded to do this, we have been asked to take him to hellfire. And, uh, and then he says, I heard a call, uh, meaning a call from, from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, that I have uh, forgiven him and I have allowed him uh, entry into paradise uh, due to the intercession of this of this orphan and actually I know th- th- looking after the orphan is a sadaqa jariyah it is a sadaqa jariyah because you are caring and that child will then grow up and you know live life and you will continue to benefit from uh, the reward uh, for as long as that uh, child or that person uh, remains alive and he said he said due to this dream I when I woke up I repented and realizing that I was saved in my dream due to the intercession of uh, the orphan I spent much of my time looking after the uh, the orphans and looking af- maintaining them and looking after their interest also a statement of Anas ibn Malik radiallahu anhu Anas ibn Malik who was the um, he was what? What was he? Mm-hmm. A, a servant of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. 
from a young age. He says, I spent 10 years with Rasulullah, serving Rasulullah. He The best of houses, meaning best of Muslim homes or the best of homes are the homes where there is an orphan child uh, that is being treated with kindness. And the worst of homes is the home where there is an orphan living and he is being treated in a bad way. And the most beloved servants to Allah are those who show kindness to the uh, orphan and to Armala is a widow. And then he brings another hadith, no, another story. Just as a mawida uh, or uh, to take a lesson from, uh, he says that um, a person who was from the family of Rasulullah known as Alawi, right? Alawi, uh, somebody that is uh, from the family of Rasulullah uh, had traveled to a land where uh, a non-Muslim land with his family. So a man from the um, progeny of Rasulullah traveled with his family to a non-Muslim land. And in that non-Muslim land, there were Muslims living and non-Muslims. You know, like you had in the past, you had Muslim land, non-Muslim land, and then, you know, the border in between, you will have, you know, cities or areas where uh, Muslims and non-Muslims are living. Anyway, this person uh, travels with his family for trade and he dies. So, <coughs> the woman is left widow with orphans and so, so she goes to the masjid um, and she asks people and she says look I am uh, somebody um, from the family of Rasulullah and I am in this predicament or in this situation can you point out somebody to, to help so they've said one of two people will help you one of them uh, was She, she was uh, okay so uh, she was told that you can go to one of two people one is Sheikh al-Balad meaning uh, a person of authority uh, in that area and that this was a Muslim person or you can go to another man who is wealthy and perhaps can uh, help you and, and take care of you. And this is a Majusi. Majusi is a fire worshipper. So she goes to the Muslim person and she says, um, you know, this is, uh, I, this is my situation. My, I was traveling with my husband. My husband has died. I'm looking after these orphans. I don't have shelter. I'm far away from my uh, home. Um, it is cold. And in a, you know, I, I don't have uh, anything to uh, fulfill the basic needs of my child. And then she mentions, and she says, I am from the family of Rasulullah Sharifa. So this uh, Muslim person says, uh, he says, what is your uh, evidence for being from the family of Rasulullah we do this sometimes, right? What is the evidence? He said, well, what, is, what is the, you know, who, who can vouch for you? 
that you are from? He forgot about this is a, a Muslim lady who is an who who uh, is a widow and uh, is has often children with her and she's far far away from her home. So all of these reasons to look after her that she is a widow, number one that she has orphans. Number two, she's in a state of poverty. Number three, and on top of that, she's away from her home. Even if she was wealthy, being away from your home entitles you to, to zakah and being looked after. Anyway, he says, what is, anybody can vouch for you? Any evidence? So she says, I have nothing. He says, oh, go away. And so she goes from him to the fire worshiper, the Majusi. And she comes to him and says, knocks on his door and says, this is my situation. And people have... Uh, pointed you out to me that you may be able to help. So he uh, received her with kindness and he brought her into his, uh, her and her children into his home and fed them and looked after them. And, and so night time comes and in his dream, the man who pushed this woman away, he saw in his dream that Qiyamah had started. And that Rasulullah was present, and uh, he saw a uh, so he saw a, a large palace um, made from uh, built from pearls and, and, and rubies. And he asked Rasulullah in his dream. He said, "Ya Rasulullah, uh, who is this uh, palace for?" So Rasulullah said, uh, "This palace is for a Muslim person." So he said, "Ya Rasulullah, I am Muslim." He said, where is your evidence? <laughs> where is your evidence for being Muslim? So this person realizes you know, the mistake. And, and uh, clearly it shows that what this person was not somebody bad because you don't get to see Rasulullah unless you have some righteousness, right? Anyway, so he realizes his mistake that I shouldn't have treated this woman in this way and questioned her. So Rasulullah said, uh, bring me proof that you are Muslim. So he was in, in a state of shock. So Rasulullah said to him that the, when, when this poor woman came to you, this is uh, the, 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 uh, your treatment of her. So when he woke up in the morning, he went looking for, <laughs> he went looking for this woman. Uh, and he was told that oh, she was uh, taken in by this Majusi man. So he goes to his door, knocks on his door and he says, um, I have come. Uh, looking for this woman, can you hand her over to me? So the Majusi man says, well, the person says no. He says, look, I'll give you whatever you want. And he offers him, um, you know, a substantial amount of, of money. Alfu dinar. Alfu dinar is a thousand gold coins. So the man refuses and he says, he says, the, 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 the palace that you saw yesterday in your dream, I saw myself. And he said that actually when this woman came into our home, uh, she uh, gave us da'wah, myself and my wife, my family invited us to Islam, so we accepted Islam. And the, the reason for it is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala granted them iman for looking after what? Somebody who is in that, in that uh, situation. Uh, so he said that I did not go to bed except um, after uh, accepting the invitation to Islam by this uh, blessed lady and I have seen in my dream what you saw. 
Uh, and that w when I saw this, I asked Rasulullah and said, Ya Rasulullah, who is this palace for? He said, it is for uh, a person who is uh, Muslim. And then Rasulullah asked me, he said, uh, is this woman in your care? So I responded, yes, Ya Rasulullah. Uh, so Rasulullah said that this palace will be, inshallah, for you and your family uh, members and uh, that you will enter paradise um, through the blessing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and, and because of the iman and the belief that you have uh, brought. So this shows um, the, you know, it's, it's a story to show the importance of what, uh, of looking after uh, the uh, orphan and the widow. And then a, a last hadith that uh, Rasulullah mentioned in Sahihain, um, he says, As-sa'i ala al-armalati wal-miskin. As-sa'i is a person who is working, right? Who's, who's making an effort in order to look after the interest of the widow and uh, somebody who is poor, kal-mujahidi fi sabilillah. That person is given the reward of the one who is fighting in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why? Because what is the purpose of jihad fi sabilillah? To establish what? Justice. And this person who is looking after uh, an orphan or looking after a widow or looking after uh, a poor person, they are doing what? They are establishing justice on earth. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made some in need and others uh, he has given them in order to test them. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says if he had wanted, everybody would be made, made uh, wealthy. And also if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted, he would all make us all vulnerable and in need. Right? And this is actually mentioned in Surah Al-Baqarah, uh, where we said, يَسْأَلُونَكَ عَنِ الْيَتَامَى They ask you in relation, they question you in relation to the orphans. قُلْ إِصْلَاحٌ لَهُمْ خَيْرٌ Say kindness to them and be good to them is what? Is a um, means of khair, blessing and benefit. وَإِن تُخَالِطُوهُمْ فَإِخْوَانُكُمْ And if you include them, and this was the questioning of Sahaba, we said that they said, Ya Rasulullah, we have the wealth of the orphan and we have to spend from it, but we are eating together. And uh, So Allah said, do as is, um, whatever is convenient for you, do it. And Allah knows, Allah knows those who have good intention in their dealing in the wealth of the orphan and those who have bad intention. And then he says, وَلَوْ شَاءَ اللَّهُ لَأَعْنَتَكُمْ And remember, if Allah willed, He would have made you as vulnerable as that uh, orphan child uh, that you are looking after. وَكَالْقَائِمِ لَا يَفْتُرُ And also, uh, the, the uh, narrator of the hadith, he says, that Rasulullah said, the person who uh, makes an effort to fulfill the needs of the widow and the uh, needy is like the mujahid, in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and is like the person who stands in prayer without fatigue and the one who fasts continuously without breaking his fast. Meaning there is great reward uh, if you have one person who's looking after the welfare of uh, those who are poor and needy and destitute um, and in vulnerable uh, situation. Uh, and on the other side, you have somebody who's always worshipping Allah, praying salah and fasting. Uh, then the reward is the same and equal. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, all of this has to obviously be done 
seeking the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We ask Allah to grant us more understanding to enable us to um, gain these virtues and these rewards through actions and to protect us from the major sin of uh, consuming the wealth of the orphan and doing them uh, unjustly and doing them injustice and harming them. Any questions? 950, 920. Mm. Is this uh, considering the looking after the orphan and the widow? Is let's say marrying the widow and give the support for the father for the child? Mm. Yes, if, if a man marries a, a widow and looks after uh, those children, then he will be rewarded because they are not um, his children. And that is actually a good intention to have. Uh, a person will be rewarded and he will be considered as maintaining or looking after the orphan. Yeah. Because in Sharia, when, when a man marries a widow, he does not have a responsibility to her children. The man has a responsibility to, to um, his wife. But there is no, uh, I mean, responsibility. Sharia does not dictate that a person has to look after. So if he does it, he is doing it out of the goodness of, of his heart. You know, just like when we say, you know, when uh, a man and a woman live, let's say for example, with their in-laws, it is not the responsibility of the wife to serve the in-laws, but if she does, she is rewarded for it. Right? Islam does not impose that on a woman mm. or on the man. If the man is living with his in-laws, he doesn't have the responsibility to. Right? Because we said they are not arham, right? they are not uh, blood relations, so there is no direct responsibility. Mm. Okay, subhanakallah wa bihamdika, nashadu ala 